I have my, I'm wearing a tank top and I have my hands on my head, so I don't know if you're seeing my, my very colorful armpits. Oh my. But I think I've tried a new deodorant and I think I'm allergic. <laughs> it, it would, it would appear that it doesn't <laughs> like you very much. No. And I haven't gotten new stuff, so I have to keep using it until I do. Oh, okay. You're going home with, you're going home well, with some deodorant today. No, I do have new stuff. I just haven't had a chance to use it yet. I got it literally today. Oh, so. Okay. So well, thank you, I'm, but no. I'm glad to hear your armpits are in good hands yeah. or whatever yeah so that's what i that's what i have prepared mm. for this week okay. that's the end of what i have prepared uh <laughs> what do you got well we were t- we were actually just having a conversation between podcasts about yeah. um our emotions mm. and how when emotions are big yeah often we go to less than helpful methods of, of dealing with them so uh, what do you think um we're gonna be, we're gonna be talking about who's in charge here our emotions or or <laughs> us <laughs> the limbic brain Oof. or the cortex yeah um do you think the pandemic has left people in better control of their emotions <laughs> or worse i think there's probably a a mix mm-hmm. i think some people have used this time to really reflect and be more self-investigative than they normally are i think a lot of people are just in worse shape than they were yeah and i think that's fair yeah frustrated angry Mm -hmm. um i think i think those emotions are really close to the surface in a lot of people Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the responses we're seeing out there with protests and whatever um it's shotgunning anger like Mm -hmm. they're not angry at one particular person or institution or thing or issue they're just mad mad yeah yeah there's there's protests in the beltline every weekend right now oh great which is a delight um restrictions have gone away here so the beltline community which i'm kind of yeah living in next to anyway we're kind of like what are you what what are you protesting we don't know (laughs) yeah well and i wonder if they know I haven't asked them. I don't really want to, but I am kind of tired of 17th getting like partially shut down every Saturday. Oh, yeah. No yeah, kidding. it's a delight. Oh. Anyway. Well, that's one good thing about living in the burbs, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, in reality, whether there's a pandemic or not, our emotional world is one of the most difficult parts of our lives <laughs> to t- manage. You're telling me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you can relate, but sometimes I think I'm in complete control, but then something pushes my buttons and I go from zero to 60 faster than a Porsche. I think I was like 12 when, when I was around 12 or 13, um, maybe older, maybe more like 14 to 16, dad and I started having conversations that started to be helpful rather than just us spinning our wheels. And at one point... When we were just starting to get to that point, I remember telling him, like, my feelings are just so big. I can only feel one at a time. I was trying Which to... Which he should relate to because well, he's and very I think much he did. Way. I think yeah. he did. Like, that was one of the kind of breakthrough moments because I would ask... When I'd get overwhelmed mm. in a conversation, mm-hmm. I would ask if I could go to my room, mm. which he saw as running away from the, the issue. Mm. I was just 
I knew I wasn't being rational. And so I was just trying to get out for a minute yeah. and get myself together so that I could actually have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we figured that out, that I wasn't trying to run away, we I can come back and talk about this, but not right now. Not this moment. I need yeah. you to let me <laughs> freak out for a, a minute. A good self-regulating um, strategy. Well, I'm nothing if not self-reflective. Well, true. But our, our, our emotions create problems for us. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> and yet, and yet we wouldn't want to be without them because what physical sensation is to the, the physical body, mm. that's what the emotions are to our hearts. They warn us when our souls are in danger and they calm us when they're safe. So if we were to remove this warning system given to us by God, it would be like taking away the body's ability to feel pain. Yeah. I will say though, and like moment of, of, true vulnerability here there have been times where i have been i i trigger warning um self-harm suicide i tried to commit suicide when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. i promised you guys i would never do that again and i never have but there have been times where i've just been so tired of hurting um that i have actually looked into voluntary lobotomies you can't do that but i was hopeful Because I was like, I just don't want to feel. And I will be around, but I don't want to feel anymore. I'm so tired. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I hate that for you. Thanks. (laughs) Me too. I hate that for me also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, if you're listening to this and being like, I don't know, it sounds kind of good to turn my feelings off. Oh, I get you. I have Hmm. BPD. I, my, my brain most of the time is trying to, it's like, it's almost like having some kind of nerve disorder that's telling you you're in pain all the time when you're not. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. BPD is like telling you you're always in emotional pain or you're always emotionally injured when you haven't, like, no one has purposefully or like, but to a, a non-ill person done something to emotionally injure you. You're mm-hmm. just, you're just feeling the hurt that another person wouldn't hurt, wouldn't feel. And so I understand if you hear that and go like, (laughs) joke's on you, Donna. I absolutely don't want to feel (laughs) so because I've been there and I I get it. But the problem with not being able to feel uh, pain is that we could really hurt ourselves ourselves. badly before we even realize something's wrong. Or other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So example of this. Mm -hmm. One day um, when you were little, Randy played, your dad played hockey um, with a bunch of other guys and his face had an unfortunate meeting with another player's shoulder pad. Yes, I recall this. Which is, I, like, when was, he was, the fact that he was Mm. playing hockey is kind of. He didn't play hockey for very long, but it tore, this, this shoulder pad tore a pretty big gash under his left eye. And I guess, I don't know, the combination of the cold air in the rink and maybe Randy's refusal to acknowledge his injury kept it from bleeding mm. all over the ice. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but when the game By was over... By sheer force of will, yeah. he didn't bleed. I, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but when the game was over, he showered and dressed, had still no bleeding, started driving to an appointment, and suddenly a little trickle <laughs> of blood started coursing down his cheek. So he, he started dabbing at it a little bit with a tissue, but the trickle became a gush, <gasps> and the gush became a torrent. And so in the middle of rush hour traffic, there Randy was frantically groping through the car for anything remotely absorbent to soak <laughs> up the blood. And in sheer desperation, he had to settle for a sweaty uh, sock from his hockey bag. Ew. 
But by now it was clear he wasn't going anywhere until he stopped at emergency to have this gash stitched shut. Yeah, I remember those stitches very vaguely. So ignoring or being numb to pain, while it may sound attractive when you're in pain, um, is is not healthy. It, no. Because it prevents us from responding appropriately to the people and the situations in our lives that can cause us harm. Mm-hmm. So our emotional our, our emotions are like kind of like warning indicator lights on the dashboard of a car. When the oil light goes on, it's not telling us there's something wrong with the light. <laughs> the light is telling us there's trouble under the hood. And if all you do when the light goes on is like yank out cables underneath the dash until the light goes out. Problem solved. You, not really. You've only <laughs> dealt with the indicator that something's wrong. And before long, you're going to have far more significant trouble to deal with than if you dealt with the real problem when the light started flashing. Mm. So what I'm saying here is our emotions are not the problem. They're the indication of a deeper problem. Mm. So when we experience strong emotions like frustration, anger, fear, there's something going on under the surface and it's something we need to investigate. So let's say your child does some typical kid thing and you unleash an angry response completely out of proportion to the crime committed. I've been that mother. Um, Or maybe your boss overlooks you for a promotion and the rejection you feel just penetrates right down to the bone. Or maybe you see someone who reminds you of a dark figure in your past and fear just stops you in your tracks. The emotional reaction brought on by events like these is usually not the result of the event that triggers us. Um, The underlying problem is our emotional conditioning. So by the time we, we reach maturity, we've had all kinds of experiences that have become integrated into our perspective and affect the way we perceive life. In other words, we have feelings about every topic, Mm. every place, every event, because they've been colored and informed by our our previous life experience. So when we feel intense emotion that seems out of proportion to the present catalyst, we need to look under the hood, figuratively, Mm -hmm. to figure out what past event or experience is coloring the present. And once we know the cause of our exaggerated emotion, then we can learn to manage it. Mm -hmm. So when I was a teenager, I took singing lessons from a woman who grew up in England during the Second World War. And she had been severely scarred emotionally by the terror of the bombings that she'd survived as a little girl. One, One horrible night had left a permanent mark. She was awakened during the night uh, during an electrical storm by the awful percussion of an explosion and the frantic shouts of adults and cries of children. The German Luftwaffe had dropped a bomb near her home and flames surrounded their whole apartment. They all managed to escape the fire by running through the storm to the home of some friends. And I, I can only imagine the terror of that, you know, not just the, the, the bombing, but also the storm. So this family who had to be totally traumatized, hunkered down to wait out the bombing and the storm and the night. I don't suspect sleep was even an option at that mm-hmm. point. But before the thunder stopped rum- rumbling or dawn came, another bomb exploded nearby, once again starting a fire and stealing their shelter. Now, of course, I didn't know any of this when in the middle of a music lesson, my 55-year-old teacher landed in my lap at the first crack of thunder announcing a storm. So why the strong reaction? 
Well, because to her, every storm meant danger. And every boom was a bomb. Mm-hmm. And every flash of light was an explosion. And not not in her logical brain, but in her right. body. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, in her body. That's a good way of putting it, in her limbic brain. Yeah, the body holds on to trauma. It sure does. So didn't she know the threat wasn't the same in the present as it had been in the past? Well, as you've just said, her head knew it, but somehow her head had failed to inform her heart. This is how you know that I don't know what mom's going to say beforehand because I preempt her points. (laughs) We are completely incapable of controlling our instantaneous emotional reaction Mm -hmm. to an event or to a trigger of some kind. But we can manage those emotions by teaching our heads to talk to our hearts. And when our heads tell our hearts the truth, we can bring an emotional explosion under control so that the response is, you know, more of a squirt of steam than an eruption of lava. So here's how it works. I I just want to be really practical here. Let's, let's say, hypothetically, you've just left a job after years of bashing your head against a glass ceiling that is dripping with testosterone. Ew. <laughs> in other words, you've been disrespected, disregarded, and passed over in every possible way because you're female. And you've brought all 12 or whatever years worth of frustration and anger into a new job that you take took great pains to be sure she uh, was estrogen friendly. So you and your mostly male team have just finished a really great presentation and you're feeling very pleased with yourself. That is, until your boss individually thanks all the members of the hmm. team except you. This has happened to me. Oh, no. And in this, in my scenario anyway, he meant to thank everyone equally. He genuinely appreciates every member of the team and excluding you was a simple oversight. Mm -hmm. But our previous experience, right, affects us. Mm -hmm. And in this case, your previous work experience sends you into fight or flight. Well, when we feel emotionally threatened, we go from operating out of our neocortex which is the center of reason and logic in our brain. I have one of those. Um, I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> but it goes from that to operate to the limbic brain, which is that immediate, visceral, unmeasured emotional response. Lizard brain. Yep. So the next thing that has to take place in this scenario, if you're going to avoid an overreaction, is a sensible conversation between your head and your heart. Mm-hmm. Your head knows that based on everything you painstakingly researched about this man and your own brief experience with him, he isn't sexist. He knows that you contribute to the team equally with all the men and you know that he values you. You know in your head that the only explanation for what just happened is a brain hiccup. So while your lungs suck in air and blow it out, your head tells your heart the truth. Mm. And that enables your adrenal glands to gradually back off. The hammering in your heart starts to calm down. And that general decrease in volatility that you're now feeling enables you to refrain from lambasting your boss, who is blissfully unaware that he even offended you. He doesn't get accosted. You don't get fired or go to jail. (laughs) Everybody wins. Yeah. But of course, the story could have had a very different ending. Right. You could have let your careening emotions do your thinking for you. You could have told yourself, I knew this would happen. Mm. He's just like all the other men I've worked with. 
it's impossible for a woman to get ahead in the workplace. All men are jerks. I I will say, mm-hmm. um, if someone, especially a partner or a close friend or someone in your family, is constantly telling you that you're overreacting and you feel really justified, I would encourage you to to find kind of an impartial third party and chat with them about it because yeah. you, they might be gaslighting you. Yeah. And that is one of the most disorienting things. Mm. When you really feel like your emotions make sense. Yeah, and are telling you one thing. Yeah, and people are telling you you're overreacting, this is not a big deal. It's okay to be skeptical of that. Yeah, and to talk it over with someone mm-hmm. wise that you trust. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in my little scenario here, you know, you could have blown up at your boss, ending a career with an employer who really valued you. You could have added this baggage to the convoy you already drag along behind you, becoming even more firmly entrenched in your belief that all men are chauvinists. But the way the story ends depends not on what triggers you, but on what you tell yourself in that moment, right? Telling yourself the truth is what enables us to manage our emotions. So what is the truth in this scenario? My boss is not sexist. Excluding me was nothing more than an oversight. He values me as much as his male employees. This is a good job. I've got the power to control myself and keep my job (laughs) or blow up and throw it all away. I think it's so interesting that in his letter to the Philippians in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real and honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And really what that is, is what today psychologists call misbelief therapy, Mm. which is just learning to replace our wrong or exaggerated impressions with the truth. And when we use the strategy for managing our emotions, Obviously, we first have to identify the lies that push our buttons. Yeah. Then we can diffuse those emotional bombs by identifying, personalizing, and expressing the truth as it applies to every situation we encounter. So, for example, I'm such a loser. This, this is something I hear in my own head. And I have to say to myself something like this. Okay, that was a stupid mistake. But I'm smart enough to learn from my mistakes and I am still a person of worth. I've found, especially when I'm feeling very, mm. and I hate using this word because it's become such a joke, but I'm feeling very triggered. My I, my BPD is rearing its ugly head and something has happened and I feel slighted and I know in my brain that that person did not mean to slight me, but my body's telling me something else. Mm-hmm. Mm. I go for affirmations. I find something that's like affirmations for whatever I'm struggling with on YouTube and I repeat them out loud to myself. Yeah. And it feels so ridiculous because you're talking to yourself. It feels like something out of a bad rom-com or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like driving around being like, today I am in control of my emotions. But like, it does help. It's just it telling yourself grounding. the truth. Yeah, it, it is. is grounding. And and things like, I have value and yeah. I can make mistakes and still be seen as a valuable member of a team or like whatever whatever the affirmation is. Yeah. Um, 
and it, it is helpful and and I, I highly encourage you to do it because like when I'm in that state I struggle to even think of affirming things okay. to say to myself all right um but someone else has written them and they'll say it and I will repeat it and good enough that'll yeah. do and does that help you it does yeah one affirmation that I use mm. a lot especially this is specific mostly to people who have problems with emotional regulation so if you're neurodiverse um you may struggle with emotional mm. regulation um but one of the ones I've found really helpful has been, I do not have to respond to this feeling. Mm -hmm. It will pass. Mm -hmm. um, which I find very validating. I can feel this feeling. It's okay. Just watch it go. Yeah. I, I can see it, and but I don't have to respond to it. And it will go away. I just have to wait for it to go away. Mm. I, don't have to, I don't have to make my next decision based That's on how really I feel good. right now. Yeah. It's yeah. one of my favorite ones. I do not have to respond to this emotion. It will pass. Yeah. Well, and in reality, we have very little direct control over our emotions. No. But we can control our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so replacing those confidence-killing or joy-sucking or rage-detonating lies in our minds with the truth is the way to calm our hearts. Mm -hmm. So we can learn to manage our emotions not only by telling ourselves the truth, but also by telling God the truth. There, there are basically only three possible options for processing our strong emotions, right? Like first we can suppress them by turning them inside and pushing them down where they're probably going to eat away us, at us and make us miserable, mm -hmm. which is self-destructive. Secondly, we can explode all over everyone around us and wound the people that we love and make them miserable, also destructive. Or we can vent our emotions to God. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe God isn't part of your story, but um, just give this a try next time you have huge feelings. You know, God has broad shoulders. Mm -hmm. He can absorb our venting. He actually wants us to come to him with our hearts exposed. And <laughs> it's not like we can hide the truth from God yeah, anyway. He knows. You I might mean, as well be honest. So that's right. So by choosing to come to him with our hearts vulnerable, by telling him how we're feeling, mm -hmm. we're inviting him into our experience, just like when we unload after a bad day by talking to our mom or husband or girlfriend, whoever. Mm -hmm. I want you to listen to this very unholy prayer from Psalm 109. <laughs> This is this is King um, Israel's King David dumping on God. He did that a lot. He was the original emo yeah, boy. Yeah, but this one, this is kind of my favorite emo uh, emo song. <laughs> oh God, whom I praise, starts out well. He's like God, don't, who I love. Don't yeah, get it twisted. Yeah, don't stand silent and aloof while the wicked slander me. Arrange for an evil person to turn on him. Send an accuser to bring him to trial. When his case is called for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. Let his years be few. Let his position be given to someone else. May his children become fatherless. May his wife become a widow. May his children wander as beggars. May they be evicted from their ruined homes. Goodness like it's not me. bad enough that they were Vitriol. that their home was ruined, but then they were then also you also evicted. get kicked out. Yeah, you also can't live there anymore. May creditors steal his entire estate and strangers take all he has earned. Let no one be 
be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. May all his offspring die. May his family name be blotted out in a single generation. May the Lord never forget the sins of his ancestors. May his mother's sins never be erased from the record. I mean, it's a low blow when you go after somebody's mother. God, they're children. (laughs) And David's not even finished yet, but I think we all get the point. There is nothing holy or noble about this prayer it's just real yeah this is not in the bible because it's something we should replicate no it's It's in the bible because it's like yeah it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows and yeah and david went on a few of these little tyroids before god that's most of Uh, psalms and yet what did what did god call david do you remember a man after his own heart that's right so god was okay with it yep the ranting (laughs) god also (laughs) rants sometimes apparently (laughs) And I I think God just wants us to be real with him. And Mm -hmm. he wants to make himself real to us. Well, God wants a relationship with us. Yes. And relationships are based on communication and authenticity. That's right. We cannot have a relationship with him if we're coming to him with this false face of what we think he wants to see from us. Exactly. He already knows. He knows. And when we take our angry, frustrated, and broken hearts to him... You know, Psalm 34, 18 says this, God is close to the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Somehow, I think when we know we can go to God with our strong emotions and be heard and understood and accepted and comforted, we just don't have the same need to dump on other people. Mm -hmm. And when we tell ourselves the truth, we can manage our emotions by, by responding to reality instead of just reacting to our own little subjective version of it. Mm-hmm. I have recently been using, I found, this was advertised to me on like Facebook or something, but it is a self-care app called Finch that I've found useful lately. Mm-hmm. It's free. There is like an upgraded version that you can pay for, but there's a free version. And it's like, it's almost like having a Tamagotchi or like an electronic pet that you look after with self-care so you can set your intentions for the day. It prompts you to basically micro journal as you're feeling. Basically, every time you sign into it, it kind of asks you how you're feeling. So it tracks and and just with like icons like cloudy or sunny or whatever. Okay. Um, so it kind of tracks your trajectory. And then based on that, it gives you a prompt like, why is today hard? And every time you do one of those little reflections or a breathing exercise mm-hmm. or you stretch when it prompts you, um, it gives your little bird, your little finch that you get to name. Um, it gives it finds more rainbow stones and with rainbow stones you can like dress it up and like feed it things and you can pet it and it's (laughs) it's like it seems so silly but sometimes when it's hard to do things for yourself yeah and like I've tried journaling I also write for a living so I don't really want to honestly Yeah. yeah this I can do I can answer specific questions on my phone hmm and then that gives my finch more energy to go on a little adventure and then it comes back and is like i discovered books today and i decide how i respond to it where i can either say like that's how you learn about other people's ideas or i can say like you can go on any adventure you want with books like it's so like arbitrary but it is um if you need prompts to bring these things to God. I fully believe that God could use something oh, like this silly little absolutely. app. Absolutely. I I believe that too. I mean, God has spoken to me through music and TV shows mm-hmm. and people and 
you know, images he's placed in my mind and yeah, yeah all kinds of ways. So, yeah. yeah. So that app is, is called Finch. Obviously this is not sponsored. I have just found it useful over the last week or so. Okay. Um, my, my Finch is called Twee. I was um, going to ask you. Yeah, your name is Twee. Twee. Um, okay. So uh, <laughs> before we go, do subscribe on your favorite app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. And of course, you can listen anytime using the My Joy Radio app. That's it for us today on Grow on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.